Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron's Sports Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. And we are delighted here tonight to be on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk podcast. Again, it's October 15, 2021. And uh, tonight we're going to have a very special guest, uh, Alan. Uh, good evening to you, brother. Uh, hopefully you're having a good evening. Uh, how are things going for you? Everything's going great. Thank you for asking. How about yourself, man? I'm, I'm having a great week. How about you? I'll tell you what, the month of October has uh, sped by, so it's uh, certainly good to see what's going on in the world of sports. I know we have a special guest who will be joining us here tonight. I'm going to go ahead and let you take over. Yeah, we're, we're definitely delighted for Breast Cancer Awareness Month to have a great guest. Her name is Trisha Clark from the Golf Locker Room Podcast. She's going to tell us a, a lot about herself, a lot about golf, and we're going to learn about her in a podcast. And we have, let me go ahead and introduce her right now. In fact, I believe we have Trisha Clark on the line now. How are you doing? How are y'all fellas doing? Doing great. Great. Doing excellent. How are you doing so far today? Oh, I'm so glad it's Friday. So looking forward to the weekend. Got a whole lot of golf going on this weekend. And uh, I found my iron swing, so I think it's going to be an amazing, amazing weekend. We'll see. Oh, that's fantastic. Can you tell you got your golf on your mind? You got your irons ready, hitting in stride? That's always a great thing. And uh, definitely, uh, yeah, so that's fantastic. Before we get started, I wanted to go ahead and congratulate you on your new addition to the to the family. Tell us all about your new addition. Oh, thank you so much. So um, last Wednesday, I was blessed with my first grandchild, and so his name is Kyron Ray. Um, he's, he's amazing. He's my new motivation, my new little heartbeat to add on to the other heartbeats that I already had. And... Um, I say he's my next Tiger Woods. I already bought him a set of clubs. Don't judge me. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with that, for sure. (laughs) My thought behind that is, if you have it as a fixture in the home, the child knows that it's supposed to be a part of your life, right? So we're going to start this thing early, like from the uterus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so he's already got a jump start to Tiger Woods already. He's already... Got his clubs ready to go. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're very welcome. And wow, that's that's great. He's already starting for the right path. And so how did your passion for golf begin? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So um, my passion for golf was interesting. So I, I used to work for, uh, I used to be in the HR world. And what I used to do was um, I'd work with others to put tournaments together, you know, because you always have to have that HR counterpart in it. And so I would be putting these, you know, tournaments together or working on the team to get monies for the different charities and such. And, you know, like one of the events we did some years ago, like we raised almost 100000 um for one event for the charity. And I, I sat there and I'm like, how are we raising or how am I raising $100,000 for a charity 
and I don't even know anything about this game. So I was like, ah. So I learned the I learned the rules or the best that I could about it, and then I started watching it on TV, and then I I started to um, a friend of mine took me out on the course, and um, I I learned with men's clubs. So he told me what I needed to do. I took my first shot. I didn't spin around. I didn't miss it. And he was like, "You sure you've never played this before?" And I was like, "No." And and we just realized that I was kind of just naturally good, you know, off the tee or whichever. And so. I started playing in the different scrambles, and that's kind of how, like, I learned how, like, the game went, and then it evolved into getting into the different groups around here. Um, I ended up dating a guy that was in the golf world or whichever, and so that turned into some fun because, you know, you get to travel and play golf at the same time, and it was great, you know, for the time being or whatnot, but um, then it it just really, really turned and evolved into this absolute passion so in the human resource world I always work within diversity and inclusion and then getting into the golf world and meeting a lot of these amazing folks you know through my travels through Florida and the different women that are part of the LPGA and things of that sort you learn you like for me I wanted to learn the history I wanted to learn everything about golf and so um, you you come to find out that you know the representation of us is not much, as much as you would think it would be. It's really not much, you know, maybe like 3%. We make 3% or so, at least last year, it was like we make 3% of like the golf world and industry or, you know, something of that sort. So, you know, when you hear a number as, you know, small as that, you're like, what can we do to make it more inclusive? What can we do to make it more diverse? What can we do to get more women into the game of golf? What can we do to get more of the youth into golf? You know, what can we do to get the youth to, you know, want to be attracted to go to the HBCUs, you know, all these different things. And um, it just continues to evolve and evolve and evolve. So um, point where, um, you know, I'm a part of a bunch of different, you know, golf groups on Facebook and, um a um, gentleman by the name of Manny Upshaw and Chris Sifford, um, they reached out to me and they were like, hey, we want to do this golf podcast. So I'll, I'll go into that, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm interested, you know, I'm I'm, I'm listening. And, and and it's outside of my norm, right? It's outside of my, you know, my little square, my little circle, it's outside of my norm. But, you know, sometimes you got to step out the box for things that you love, right? So um, they said, yeah, we want to do this golf pa- um, golf podcast. You're over there in Florida on the East Coast. Steph is, you know, in North Carolina. I'm over here in L.A. And, you know, we have this great platform. And, you know, we just want to talk all things golf, all things fun, um, entertainment. We bring um, – we have a, a mental coach that comes on there um, that, you know, he, he joins us as well. And it's just – it's just wonderful. Like, you know, like we said, we're doing the breast cancer awareness. So we had some amazing women on the show um, this week, this past. We had um, um, some LPJ members. Some were Class A, some were Class B. And we had them come on to kind of specify the difference in that because, you know, some of us, you know, wouldn't even know that there's a difference or, you know, in like an LPJ tour pro or an LPJ professional and what's the difference. So it was great to have these amazing women, um, some of them have been doing it for many, many years, you know, some newer, um, 
but it was great to hear their past, their passion, um, and their works as it pertains to um, the LPGA and getting more of us involved into the game of golf as well. So that we have is every Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, um, 5 p.m. Pacific, and it's just a great time. It's easy breezy. None of us are pros. So we get up there, we just, we cut up, we enjoy the guests. Um, we like to bring the HBCUs on there um, because when you bring the HBCUs on there, you never know what a golf program needs or could use to make their program even better. So um, we've had a good number of the HBCUs on the call and it's been really interesting. They've, they've had some of the athletes on, we've had the coaches on, we've had some of the ADs on, um, but again, each program, like I like to ask the question, I say at the end, you know, if in a, in a perfect world, aside from money, uh, what could your program use? And the purpose of asking that question is they can tell us what they, they could use, um, what they need, and you just never know who's listening. You don't know if there's alum or just anybody that's listening that hears this, and then they can, you know, they, they can donate or whichever. And so just for instance, um. No, let y'all speak. Um, just for instance, FAMU was on back in August. And um, Coach Rice, absolutely love them, love the program and everything. They were on. And the three things they asked for was a track man, a simulator, and a golf course. Okay, golf course? Okay, who knows? But there's land, so you never know what could come about that. But track man, somebody, you know, they asked and they received and they got a track man. Um, and then the APGA, um, Tim Bentley, he did a fundraiser for his birthday, and they raised um, probably over 54000 or so. And that's going to be used to build a um, simulator for the family program as well as sponsor three, of, um, three, youth, three athletes to play in the APGA in 2022. So it's just a lot of great things that just come about, you know, ask not, receive not. So that's what we like to do, bring you on. If you have a foundation or organization or, you know, you're at a school or whatever it is, we like to have you on there. We want to highlight you and share how others can donate or benefit to your cause. Wow, that's amazing. That's great that you're really deep into golf and, and all aspects of it. What do you think is the biggest thing that separates somebody since you get a chance to speak to a lot of LPGA players what do you think is the biggest thing that separates somebody who's pretty good and somebody who's actually on tour, LPGA player? What do you think is the biggest aspect that separates the two of them? So this would only be a personal opinion um, and just, you know, maybe <laughs> some kind of ideas and thoughts that, you know, I've heard from others about, you know, the game of golf is, is, is a whole lot. We, we all know it's a whole, you know, it's a whole smorgasbord of things that come about your golf game. You know, it's um, the physical capabilities, it's the mental capabilities. Um, those that are playing professional, it's the financial ability, you know, the ability to financially um, fund yourself to be able to, you know, play in the game of golf. Um, that mental piece is very, very big. Um, and also that grind, you know, when you're, I, you know, so for some of the ones that I know that are, you know, either on the tour or trying to make the tour or, you know, playing in the APGA, they're grinding, and it, and and that's their job. When mm -hmm. they're grinding and they're they working out, they're every day, you know, working on their game. You know, you you know, like us. You know, if you're not, you know, if we're not 
where we have all the money just to our, you know, in our in our hands, we have the work. But this is their yeah. job. So that if this is their job, you know, where are they getting the funding to be able to take care of themselves? So that's the thing. It's just I think um uh just you know, just just from what I believe, you know, you sit back and you look back in nineteen sixty one or 19, when they allowed us to play in the um PGA. Um when they, you know, got rid of the whole Caucasian clause. So, but I, I always ask this question, what is the difference from then and now? Because then we seem to have more on the tour. We had, we had more of us playing on the tour as opposed to where we're at right now. Um, and so, but there's a difference. If we say it was financial, you know, we're making more money. You know, we're out here, there's, there's money to be had, um, whether it's as readily available to us as it is to some, maybe not, but still, you know, I always ask that question, what is the difference? What, how can we bridge that gap? And, and in all honesty, yep. it's, it's getting there, you know, it's getting there. So, you know, that's, that's always wonderful. Um, it's always positive to see. Um, but I just think, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to grind, grind, grind. And if you can't solely focus on your grind, and your game, you know, and you, maybe you have the work or whatever, that takes away from your grind. So um, I think that's the main thing is just a lot of it's finances. Um, and I, that that's just my thought. Yeah, I think – and I'm glad you mentioned that, Trish, because a lot of people, men and women, they sometimes overlook that aspect that when you're trying to become a pro – at anything, you have to put the work in and you have to put the time in. I think of nowadays people watch ESPN, they watch a little clip, see somebody hitting a shot, and they think they can do it. That's that's great that you think you could do it. But to get to that point, there's a lot of hard work. And I'm glad that you brought that up, that a lot of men and women don't don't under they underappreciate the work, the grind as you mentioned. I agree. Like I, I know some like I mean I know one gentleman, I mean, he works out almost five times a day. He works out almost five times a day when he's not working out. He's playing and, you know, and he's really deep into the game of golf and and also to his give back, you know, also to those that are trying to get in the game as well. And when you think about that, like going to the gym, you know, three, four, five times a day to just work on the physical part of it. I mean, that's, that's wild. And then you're out there. And then you're at the course, and then you know you're working on your game itself. That's a lot. And again, unless you have a great support system, a great financial support system, how are you able to manage and maintain that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, and then the mental aspect too. You do all that working out, and, and golf is a game that you can practice real hard, but it doesn't exclude you from hitting a bad shot. Talk about some a little bit about the mental aspect that about the game of golf? We have a gentleman by the name of Robert Price. So he's with Elite Minds LLC. He's the gentleman that comes on our show um, once a month, and we talk about different aspects of the mental the mental aspects of the game. And um, that's the thing. Being, I mean, I'm no professional at all, but what I've had, what I've learned, and just in my 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 um my path, and what I've learned, you know, from Robert Price is, you know you got to let go of that last hole. You know, you got to let go of that last shot. you got to be able to move on. A lot of times when I first started playing golf, <laughs> if I if I double bogeyed, if I, I three-putted, I would 
mess up the next three holes following because I'm still mad at that hole where I three-putted because I can't get it out of my mind. I'm stuck on it. I'm so irritated that I did it. So, yeah, you got the mental piece of it. You got to be able to, okay, I messed up, but, okay, what am I going to do to make up from those two extra strokes or that one extra stroke and, and just keep on moving? Um, so that's that's such a big piece. And then, you know, you, you never know. Like, for me, I yep. honestly think the, the, the folks that I play with, um, the vibe, of the different people that you play with, you know, affects your game sometimes too. So it's a, and I'm, it's a work in progress for me. You got to kind of be able to work with, you know, you might have some slow players or you may have some, you know, newer players and you guys just got to keep in mind, you want those a new player once it's once upon a time too. So you got to always keep those things in mind, but all those things can affect your game. And so, um, Again, you just never know. Like, you could be having a bad day at work or you could be having a rough, you know, there's things going on in your relationship and stuff. And all those things can affect your game and you not even know it. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Having somebody you can play with that you can get along with and are similar in game is, is definitely something I've learned, too, about golf. You, you unfortunately can't mm-hmm. play with everyone. When it comes to playing with other partners, do a lot of your partners talk trash? Do they sometimes, does that become an aspect? Uh, so I play with, there's a lot of, there's several groups that I play with. Um, there's like the golf partners here in um, the Tampa Bay area. They go around um, every other Saturdays, they get together. It's about 40, you know, individuals that get together. And that's a really great, fun group it's um a lot of good camaraderie a lot of great networking um the fellowship is wonderful right and then i have this amazing sunday group so that group that's the um hustlers and hackers hackers and hustlers um and friday i mean every sunday and that's our skins group and so that's a little you know we have a little fun with that there's there's some trash talking that happens but then it's also those those you just know, who, like you say, you know who to play with because some of them are very serious about the game and you're not talking trash, you're not joking, you're not, you know, messing up my game. So you know who you can kind of play with um, in that group. Um, but you learn you learn the chemistry of the group. So I have a lady group also um, when I can or when I'm available with some sisters across America, and they're amazing. Um, they um, they um, select mentees that are, you know, wanting to get into Game of Golf or trying to get onto the tour, and they will um, bring them on. Um, They raise, they have, you know, two events a year, and they'll raise money to um, provide to these ladies that they have as mentees. And what they do also is um, stay wherever they're traveling to to, um, compete. Because this is across America is across across America, obviously. So what they'll do is we'll put an email out and say, hey, you know, we have so-and-so, they're going to be playing in Arizona or wherever, and we're looking for a, ho- um, a host home for mom and dad and the athlete or, you know, dad and the athlete or whichever. And what that does is that um, offsets the cost of lodging, obviously, because every, you know, you'd be amazed. I think I asked one parent, like, how much do you think it costs if, like, you were to put your kids, like, if you had a youth golfer that's, you know, wanting to buy and play in the, you know, different youth events or whichever, like, how much do you think that costs a year for one child? 
just approximate. Wow. That, that, I'm, I'm, that, asking, I'm asking which, you know, what do you think that is? I would say 10 to 15 grand. Let's try 60. Oh, wow. If you're, wow. Yeah, if lodging, travel, um, registration for the different events, things of that sort to get qualified, it can be anywhere up to 60000 a year. And as we know, you know, some, some, I mean, some households, they may have that, but then some households, that may be all that they have. So that's a lot, right? Um, it is so a lot. It's, yeah. uh, it is. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, well, there's some programs out there that's kind of, you know, helping with that or whichever. And, but that's the thing. I mean, golf is a costly sport. Um, and to get qualified and to get where you want to go, it, it take it takes not only talent, but it takes, it takes dedication. It takes, you know, finances. It takes, you know, support, you know, not only like if you have family support, but support from others. I mean, a lot of times, you know, like the APGA, I, I would say if you've never been to an APGA tournament, you know, Google the tour. Um, it's the advocates tour. Google and see what their schedule is. And if they're in their, if they're in your area and you want to see some amazing golf, go out there and support these guys out there on the course, you know, trying to make their way. Um, and you'll you'll absolutely be amazed. Wow. Yeah, definitely. I need to do that myself, check that out and see what that's all about. And and for yourself personally, Trisha, what are some of the aspects about golf that you personally love? Mm. Um, so what I love about golf is, um, so it's always challenging. So if you're competitive, mm-hmm. uh, there's no day where, okay, like, so in my three years, I've been playing for three years and um, haven't had like, like legitimate lessons I learned from like watching other people or hearing from other people, or I would even say playing with better people. Um, And so I've had like maybe uh, one or two lessons, you know, just to try to dial in on some of the things I do. But um, what I love about it is the networking. I love, um, you know, they say the best um, deals are closed on the on the golf course because how better um, else can you get for four and a half hours to talk to somebody um, than on the course right so right. get on the course talk and the thing about golf is you can learn a lot about a person you can learn their temperament you can t- you can learn their integrity because golf is a game of integrity so if you're out there playing with them and they're you know picking up at, you know, double bogey, but still putting their ball around and, you know, and then putting down a, a four or a five, you know, you know, you know, you can kind of gauge, you know, kind of how they are in, integrity wise. Um, but again, like the networking is amazing. Um, the camaraderie is awesome. I don't think half the people that are important in my world right now um, had, I, had I've ever have met them if it wasn't for golf. Like, and, and 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 I'm very close to a lot. Um, I have a friend lady. Um, she's almost like a mother figure to me. And and I I don't think I would have met her if it wasn't for the game of golf. So I am so thankful for golf because I've just met so many amazing amazing people, men and women, young and old. Um, some collegiate golfers, some great coaches. Um, some, you know, just so many people. And I know. If it wasn't for golf, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know any of these folks. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And you mentioned some LPGA players that you've had on your podcast. So you get a chance to meet a lot of great people just by playing golf. (laughs) Every last one of them. So there's 13 um, Class A certified um, black female professionals in the in the, um so let me let me make sure I say it right so they're LPGA professionals um that are class A certified and there's only 13 of them and um they are amazing and each and every last one of them has like their own organization their own cause and they're you know they also you know are certified to teach as well and it's just amazing um to just hear their stories their passion um and their give back like each and every last one of them has their own thing that they do. And so that's the thing we wanted to highlight and have them on. So we had five of them on um, on Wednesday. We plan to have the rest of them on throughout the rest of this month of October. And, you know, and then it won't even just be because it's, you know, breast cancer awareness because we want to be able to, you know, highlight them throughout the year always because, you know, they're, you know, they're sometimes these instructors are the first point of contact for like some of our youth because they're out here teaching our youth the game of golf as well. You know, some of them are with youth on course. Some of them work with first tee. Some of them have their own um, golf programs, um, like Paula Pearson. She has Four Life um, Inc. down in um, South Florida, and um, they're just doing amazing things. So, like, for instance, Paula Pearson has this young man that they played um, the event that Tiger Woods' son played in, I wouldn't say about one or two years back. Tiger might have came in, like, second place or so. Tiger Woods' son came in, like, second place or so. And her student from her program came in first place. His name's Patrick. And, um, and But, you know, of course, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, um, publicity or notoriety of it because, obviously, Tiger Woods' son is Tiger Woods' son. But just to think, you know, her program – Right there, down there in Lauder Hill for Life Inc., you know, her program, her instruction, he came in first place, you know, so, and he's an, he's an amazing kid. So, and then golf teaches these youth. That's the thing about golf, getting your kids into the game of golf. It teaches these kids. It's not just the game of golf that they learn. They learn, they learn um, manners. They learn etiquette. They learn integrity. They learn all of these things within the game of golf. So it's, it's, it's a really good thing to, you know, if you can, you know, get your youth or your children involved in it to, to do so. I mean, it helps them now and it'll help them in their, you know, when they get older, um, whether they, you know, do it recreationally or they do it for work and business, but, but it's, it's everything. That's right. You're already getting Chiron ready. <laughs> That's exactly right. Get your kids ready for golf. And yeah. So you told us about what you love about golf. What is the aspect about golf that you say that you maybe don't like as much? Um, let me think. Let me think. I would say, and it, it might not just be golf, but, you know, so the thing about golf, like everybody, you know, everybody, you know, you know, there's a lot of folks that do a lot of different things within the golf world, whether it's um maybe apparel, mm-hmm. maybe it's um they have their own um golf, you know, program or group or whichever and the thing is what we feel like with a podcast for instance mm-hmm. we yep. promote each last one of them like you want to come on you want to talk about what you have going on we want to highlight you because we feel like there's enough of the pie for all of us but um, the only one thing that I kind of maybe 
that, you know, just kind of makes me feel, you know, like, uh, you know, whatever, is some folks feel like you have to compete amongst one another. And, and again, when you're thinking about the overall cause or the overall benefit of what you're doing or whatever, you, you realize, okay, there is no competition. There is enough room for each and every one of us to do what it is that we like to do, whether it's apparel, whether it's a group, whether it's a foundation, there's enough out there to do. I mean, because there's plenty of folks out here to touch. So that that's the only thing. Sometimes you hope that, you know, folks can come together and, and be united. But, you know, you know, they say united you stand, divided you fall. I mean, it's uh, to me, that's, it's it's not cliche. It's it's very real. I feel like eventually, you know, we'll we'll get there, you know, but it just takes time. But in the meanwhile, it's okay to do your thing and it's okay to support one another and um that's what you just hope that that's done. You know, we have um I have this event coming up in uh next week actually. It's next Saturday. It's actually a whole weekend. it's called the Big Golf Weekend. And um, I'm working with um, Diamond Life Entertainment, and um, they, they they promote different things, and so they do a big skins game. And so we, we thought, you know, for the you know sake of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and also, you know, we have um, Kendall Jackson. Um, she's attending Howard University, um, and she's kind of like an ambassador, and we just, you know, love her and, and what she's doing. We kind of wanted to, you know, raise some money to, you know, kind of offset, you know, any expenses with school or anything like that, and also give back to breast cancer awareness. But we have, um, uh, we just have a weekend of amazing events. So the Friday night, we have a um, happy hour. Um, all of this is taking place in um, Orlando, so at Shingle at the Shingle Creek Resort. But we have a happy hour that we're doing Friday night. Um, I want to say it's from like 6 to 10. Um, at 3-9, but, you know, it's a happy hour. We're going to have live music, the DJ and everything, and it's going to be a great time. And it's for golfers and non-golfers. So, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had events where the non-golfers could even come out and, and enjoy and partake and have fun too. So then the Saturday um, we're having the scramble. So we have a scramble, and we still have some foursomes, you know, available for anyone that wants to get their team together and come and show their game, and um, but we have so it's at Shingle Creek, um, and so we have our scramble that day, and then that night at Shingle Creek we have um at one of the ballrooms we have um uh, old school hip hop, um hip hop and R and B, um, you know party that we're gonna have, and again so it's for golfers and non golfers it's gonna be a good time it's right there at the Rosin Hotel at Shingle Creek and it's gonna be a great time, and then that Sunday is the skins game. So like we were saying, there's the competitive piece where, you know, the trash talking and we trying to get it, that's that Sunday. And then on that Saturday is that scramble where you get out and you get to put that teamwork together and you can stack your team and, and you try to go low, and, and it's just a fun time. So we're just having a great fun event. It's called the, the Big Golf Weekend, and it's going to be a great time for a wonderful time. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like it's gonna be a fantastic event. The, the definitely this the twenty fourth, and definitely guys support her. Go ahead and check it out, and make sure you support that as well as the golf locker room and her podcast as well. Make sure you definitely do that, and definitely show up to her event. And it's for golfers and not golfers, so it definitely is gonna be a great cause for breast cancer awareness. 
<laughs> where can they get more information about about yourself and following you? Um, so um, on IG, I'm Miss um, Clark's Golf Life. So that's like M Z Clark's Golf Life all together. So that's on IG. Um, Facebook, I'm Trisha Clark. Um, so I'm out there as well. And then also, if you wanted to look up the golf locker room, you just type in. So we're on Facebook, we're on IG, and it's simply the golf locker room. And and we we named it that because it's again come and come all come, you know come all and and speak. It's speak. It's a platform to speak your mind. It's a platform to you know highlight us. It's a it's a platform to share the great things that you know everybody's doing within the golf world. So. Definitely come check us out on the golf locker room. Come see me, Manny, and Christopher on the podcast. We're live every Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. That's outstanding. And definitely she got that big event coming up. Make sure you guys buy your tickets. Go to that. She has a great deal on the resort, too. Tell them about the great deal. Oh, oh yeah. So, you know, for anybody that hasn't, you know, um, come out to um, Shingle Creek, so normally it's like 360 a night. So um, if you wanted to, you can come out. It's um, one. We have a great rate of 139 a night. Um, we're telling folks, hey, get your guys, get your family, make it a you know it could be a golf weekend as well as a family vacation. Um, the the hotel actually gave it. So the events from the 22nd through the 24th. But um, with the code that we have. Say if you um, attended the event and you also want to maybe extend your stay, you know, or have a vacation or whatever it is, um, they they gave us a block for that wonderful rate of 139 for six days. So, um, you know, I'm telling folks, you know, bring your girls, bring your guys, bring your family. Um, just come out and have a great time for a great cause. So, um, and, again, you can find that information um, on my IG, and I'll also share that with you on your page or I'll share it with you um, where they can find that information. And, um, yeah, it's it's a great time, and we definitely would love to have you guys out and gals. Yeah, that's right, guys and gals, golfers and non-golfers. So no excuses there, and I'll definitely share that on our page, definitely with that. And there's one question i got to ask you. If, oh, you're very welcome, Trisha. If there was one aspect of your game that you can improve, dramatically improve, what would it be in your game personally? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, so um, I to to be one hundred percent honest, the one part of my game that I need to improve actually starts before the game. Wow! And so I am, and I and I can be honest, and I'm a work in progress. <laughs> and <laughs> I I am a habitual car to cart golfer. So that means I'm rolling in the parking lot on two wheels and jumping out my car with my club, running to the first tee box. So oh. <laughs> that's, that's what you do. <laughs> But I, I play pretty well. You know, I, sometimes, you know, I can, I mean, in the three years, I've probably shot in my 70s about six times. I've had my first hole-in-one two years in that was caught on camera. Wow. Um, and, and, Alan, you know, we're not going to say the monetary amount, but you was my witness. To a phenomenal putt that um, that um, blessed me with um, a really uh, great putting contest prize. 
That's absolutely right. I was there to witness it. You, you're, you're bad to the bone when it comes to golf. That's why I was curious to know what, what, what part of the game would you like to improve if you had a chance to? So it's basically well, your you know, preparation to the, basically getting there early and getting warmed up. That would be the number one, but to be honest, um, it was my iron. So if you knew, if you notice, like drive, long woods, um, really good, no issues, can be in the fairway, you know, 90, 95% of the time. It was my, my – so for me, it's my approach shot. So I really – you know, it's funny. The game of golf is real funny. Sometimes you'll have one part of the game of golf that's great, and then you're working on another, and then once you get that um, other fixed, then something else is you want to make every piece fall into place. So I've gone through a 11-month stint of not being able to hit my irons and wedges. Like every last one of them went 80 or 90 yards. That's my 7, my 8, my 9, my pitching wedge. All of them went about 80, 90 yards, and I couldn't figure out or fix it to save my life. And um, just recently, just this week, um, Monday I went out to Rogers Park, which for those that don't know about Rogers Park, um, I always tell folks, if you want to play, you want to play at a historically black golf course, Rogers Park is a really great course to go to. It's really um, challenging. It's a public course, um, but all the same, just, you know, just going there and just learning the historical piece of Rogers Park. If you're here in Tampa or you're coming to Florida, um, you have to visit Rogers Park. So I practice there quite often, and I love it. And um, and I and I found my I found my um, iron swing and my wedges. So um, I practice Monday, practice on Wednesday, and I practice today. And I'm playing in a tournament tomorrow, and and we're gonna see what it does. So we're gonna see if I'm able to connect all the pieces. I have faith that you will. You're going to basically do great. The other people, I feel they're in trouble already. So I've seen, I've seen your game. I know you're going to light the golf course on fire, and we wish you a lot of success, a lot of luck in that. And also, congratulations again on the new addition to the family, and we really appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Good luck on the events coming up and the podcast, the Golf Locker Room podcast. We really, truly appreciate you joining us, Trisha, here on the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Can't thank you enough. Thank you so much, and thank you for the time, and thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. My pleasure, and may God be with you. God bless you. Uh, same to you. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. All right, so what? I thank you so much, Patricia Clark. Make sure you guys support her. And we have another call on the line. Let me take that call. How you doing? Hello? I think it was muted. I was muted. Okay, great, great, great. How you doing so far tonight, Lou? Um, well, Jets are not doing so good, and I think they're in a lot of trouble. And the Giants aren't much better. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I I think the Giants are doing a lot better, though, because, I mean, they unfortunately had the injury with Saquon. They do have a little bit of a, a built-in excuse, whereas the Jets, they really don't, unfortunately. Well, not much of an excuse. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm they're, really... They're and the, and I mean, the, uh, <laughs> the Cowboys, that division is looking horrible. It is. I mean, it really, truly is. And 
you you probably know better, Lou. What do you think happened with the Jets? I never would have expected this. Yeah, I mean, really what I thought, you know, exactly what the guys act together would have been better, but they're not just having a lot of problems. Yeah, we may have a new team, but the results are just the same. Yeah. Do you, do you feel they're building um, from where they were a year ago? Do you feel like they've made any – I mean, record obviously is the important thing, but do you feel like they've made any – any progress, or have they taken a step backwards? Or no, they're taking a step backwards. Wow! I expected yeah. better, and we didn't get it. Now, is that on think... the coaching or on the players, or what, what, what would you say is the, the the main culprit here? Zach is making too many mistakes. I know he's a rookie, but he's making way too many mistakes. Wow, that's that's that's. So it's not the coaching you're saying because. You you don't feel that's the, that's what you're... The, the the coaching's a part of it, but still, he really isn't doing what he's what he's um, thought he'd be doing. Yeah, he's just not not making the plays. No, he's sounds, not. You sound pretty down about it. I mean, I I wasn't expecting it either. I'm not gonna lie to you, but you sound like it's really really getting you down. It is, but there are other things. Uh, there are other things too. Sports related, but it does. Well, kind of. I'll save that yeah. for later. Okay. Yeah. So, I just personally, I hope that the Jets get back on track and they do what they need to do to to at least look better. Because last year they did lose a lot of games, but I'd have to say there was a couple of games that if they would have made a couple of tweaks. They would have won. There was one game in particular that they played against the Patriots that they should have won the game, actually, and they kind of blew it. But I don't feel like that's the case this year. I don't feel like they're really in the hunt. Now it's it's a matter of who do you think – I'm going to ask this question to you, Lou, and also to Aaron. Who do you think breaks the O for slide first? Well, just did win the game, so they have the so they've already done that. Yep, yep, that's right. You got the game between the Jaguars, the Lions, and who else is on? There was another team. That- oh, oh boy. Yeah, I have the Jags, the Lions. I think that's it. It's um, not won a game so far. Yeah, I'm gonna going- go with the Lions, the first one. I think the, I think the Jaguars are going for the record. <laughs> I do. I think they're going for the record. I think it's going to be – I think before they win a game, it's going to be 0-30. Wow. What about you, Aaron? Do you say that? Well, I mean, I, I'm always a big fan of reading between the lines to kind of see where things are. Uh, Jacksonville, I, I think, lose dead on on that. I think they, it, it's going to be worse before it gets better. And the coaching situation – it doesn't help the situation at all. Um, that's to be continued. We don't know what's going to happen there yet. I, I tend to think that because they're struggling, and this is how it always goes, these kind of issues that we saw with Urban Meyer, you know, this last couple of weeks, those are things that typically, I don't want to say they get swept under the rug, but they're not as they're not as center stage if you're winning games. I mean, we saw big things happen with the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s. If they were a bad team, it would have changed the outcome of them to some degree. So it's the same thing here. If you're winning games, I'm not saying that all is forgiven, but 
get a little bit more leniency. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah. You're losing games no, I... and they're paying you as much as they're paying you, and you had the number one pick in the draft. Let's let's not be foolish here. Nobody thought that the Jaguars were going to be a playoff team this year. That's not what this is about. But you'd yeah. at least think there's some there's some uh, growth and there's some some things to look at and say this is the piece we're going to build around kind of thing. And that's yet to really show here um, in Jacksonville. It's not for lack of the guys on the field trying. I think it's just been a, a horrible mess the last few weeks. Now on the the Lions side. They're probably the best 0-5 team that's ever existed. I mean, look, they lost two or three games on a last-second field goal. They could have th- two or three wins on their, you know, in the win column for them this year. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely think the Lions are going to win first uh, out of the two. And actually, just looking at the the, the matchups this weekend, you have um, you have uh, Detroit playing the Bengals. That's going to be a good game. Um, Bengals are coming off a game where they probably should have beat Green Bay with all those field goals at the end. You know, Bengals are that'll happen this year. Yeah, they are. And then you have the um, you have the Jaguars who are playing Miami. At, you know what? I mean, Miami hasn't been – they've probably been the most disappointing team in the NFL this year. So I would say that if Jacksonville is going to get it, this might be the week for them to actually actually win. I think it's going to be a good good matchup there. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, you're right. And especially in the NFL, when it rains, it pours. And when things go bad, you're not winning. Like you said, things that are usually swept beneath the rug don't get swept as much. And not only that, they get highlighted. So it was been a rough week for Urban Meyer. And I I really didn't think I agree with Aaron. I wouldn't think they would be 0-5. Yes, maybe not a playoff team but at least have two, maybe even three wins. I would think they, you know, with the coaching pedigree that they have of Urban having the first-round draft pick, rejuvenating the team, they would get at least a couple of wins out of that. But I guess – Yeah, Myers in a whole different ballgame now. You know, he's first in the pros. And, you know, sometimes they just don't make – just because you did well in college coaching does not necessarily mean it's going to transfer over to the pros. Yeah, you're right about that. Definitely right about that. <laughs> you're right about that. And, you know, I did want to get your take on the John Gruden situation. How do you think um, that situation played out for you? What are your opinions on it? What a mess. I mean, I've been this though before. I mean, look, this has been going on for 10 years. You should have done something like that before. Why drag it through the mud for that long? And if that wasn't going to go, I was going to get fired. So he just did the same. So he just did what everybody else did. You can't fire me. I quit. I mean, you know, yeah. Enough. No, I I agree, and that, and that, that's that's really what happened because I don't see John Gruden actually quitting after getting paid a hundred million dollars. So you're right. You instead of getting fired, you quit. But I am a bit surprised at the time frame of this whole thing coming out ten years later. Yeah. But it, it you know, the fact well, that I it did he knew out, that something was going to happen. You know, he's not a very well liked person anyway in the, you know, in the coaching or whatever. So I think it was going to happen. But the time like you say, you know, that is that might be a little surprising. Am I surprised that it happened at all? Uh, no, because eventually it was going to come out anyway. I agree, and 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 I I believe he did the right thing by by just uh, resigning because. 
like I said, he was going to get fired. I just more and more stuff were coming out. It's better you just kind of take your licks while they come in before it gets even worse for you. So I think he did the right thing, and I, I think the organization did the right thing too by, you know, just uh, putting it into it. What are your thoughts, Aaron? No, I, I agree. I mean, Blue made a good point though. I mean, there's a lot of things to, to a lot of different angles you could take on this. You know, I, I do kind of wonder why it was sat on for as long as it was. Um, you know, especially, especially when you consider that, you know, hardly anything is private nowadays. I mean, especially when you're in this type of profession, uh, coaching profession, you're a public figure. You would think that um, something like this would have been discovered earlier. At the same time, if you look at it from the other the other side of the lens, you got to – got to be smarter than that i mean <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Yeah. you know people are you know people are, are going to hear this or see this at some point um i i agree i mean i think that to not drag himself through the mud not drag the raiders organization through the mud not drag the nfl through the mud he made the right call in resigning in that sense i, I agree with you there because he was probably going to get canned anyways i i agree if you think about it this way you, you've got a guy who signed a I believe it was a ten-year, hundred million-dollar contract. Yeah. And the Raiders are probably looking at it just just from a pure business perspective. The Raiders are probably looking at it saying, "Look, we can save ourselves sixty million dollars if this guy quits. Now, if they fire him, they still have to pay him. So, you know, they're probably pretty happy that he did what he did too, because it would have been a pretty big mess to untangle on the other side. Um, but uh, you know." The craziest thing about this, you know, this is probably only two weeks ago that we got wind of something that he had said in an email from 2011, 2010, whatever year it was. And then slowly more and more things started to trickle out, trickle, you know, to, to the media and more more got leaked. And I'm not going to be surprised. I read an article, I believe it was yesterday. There may be some other people who end up going down on the Titanic, if you will. Uh, with, uh, yeah. with this whole scandal, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna lead to some other individuals that are gonna, unfortunately, go through the same thing. So, um, just a word to the wise. Oh, you know, if and I, I only say this because it's just not be smart people. I, I think that uh, you know, Alan and I uh, have had this conversation for the last couple of days since this all broke. You know, just think before you talk. It's really. It, unfortunate that made those kind of decisions and you know something that you did 10 years ago comes back to bite you now it's it's really an unfortunate situation uh, all the way around um you know and i, I made mention of this too uh, the other day excellent football coach but as you pointed out there lou even when he was down here in tampa in the early 2000s mid 2000s you know this guy has yeah. the mouth of a sailor. <laughs> it's not, I mean, that, that's the old school <laughs> football mentality, you know, in a sense, you, you, you're kind of a drill instructor. You're kind of a, um, you know, that mentality, I guess you could call it. That was something that a lot of people down here in the Tampa area didn't care for. Um, I do remember that very, yeah. very vividly. However, I will say this, <laughs> it's kind of what I said before, when you're winning games, you win a Super Bowl. People will kind of brush that stuff under the rug. So, um, you know, 
what John Gruden is in his own personal mind. I, I can't say. I can't, I can't be the judge of that side of things. I just I don't think that what he said certainly looked good. It certainly didn't, didn't help his cause for sure. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see what his legacy is going forward because he did win a Super Bowl. A lot of guys have done that, though. Um, yeah. And he's, he's coached somewhat successfully. But he's also blown a lot of leads and divisions. When he was in Tampa, his last two years, he was nine and three, and they lost the last four games in a row. The last two years, he was here. So, um, you know, that side of things is a little bit uh, painted, I guess you could call it. Um, I do also wonder, and Alan and I talked about this earlier this week too. I wonder if he'll coach again. Probably not in the NFL. Not in the NFL, no. I kind of wonder if the college game is maybe sometime in the future for him. So time will tell. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, I agree with Lou and I agree with you. And I don't think he coached in the NFL anymore. I think that's pretty much off the table. And I do think he might get another gig when this kind of goes over, bowls over probably in, in college. I think somebody will give him an offer there for sure. But I just don't think uh, in the NFL it's gonna it's gonna fly, especially you know here in Tampa they've taken him out of the the ring <laughs> the ring of honor. So Ooh. yeah, they I don't know if you knew that Lou they they removed him from the ring of honor, which is a wow. that's a huge that's huge serious. it is serious that is a huge huge accomplishment for you to be in the ring of honor, and especially here in Tampa Bay or any organization they give you a celebration and not only that all of the players and hall of famers a lot of them they come and support the event and then they put your name up on the rafters they put your name in the stadium now you're in the ring of dishonor now you're in dishonor so you know that's that's a huge honor it doesn't mean that you have to make it to the you you don't have to be a hall of famer most of them are you know like tony dungy most of them end up becoming hall of famers but not all of right. you know, like Lane Giffen. No, is I, Giffen. I think I knew that. Yeah, so it's it's a but huge honor. The, but now you're in the ring of dishonor. You're in the ring of dishonor. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And, wow. and it's it's unfortunate. And and John had that, like to, to Aaron's point, he had that, that stigma of having that, you know, that the mouth like a sailor. I, I told Aaron the story, and I'll tell, I'll okay. tell you the story too, too. I was actually taking an early flight. I forget the destination I was going to, but I was flying out of Tampa. It was a it was a six o'clock or six twenty flight, which means that you have to be there to go to do your security check around four four thirty in the morning. Early early flight. Uh, yuck. So I was there early in the morning, around four thirty four forty five, the latest. And sure enough, John Gruden was at the airport, and he was talking to somebody. And I was like, oh, snap, that's John Gruden, right? And and I thought about it for a second, and I was going to say something, but my instinct was telling me just just don't interrupt them. It's early in the morning. Don't, you know, don't come there with that. Because up yet. He, he, it's still early in the morning. He might he might let it fly, and he actually would be kind of warranted to let it fly at 4.30 in the morning, 4.45 in the morning. So I saw him. Yeah, it's 4.30 it in the morning. It wasn't the first time I met him. He might I don't know about swinging, but definitely getting cursed out. <laughs> so I, don't, I wasn't worried about swinging, but more cursed out. And I was like, eh, well, you no, know, I, I didn't. Mean, 
I mean, how many people are actually up at that hour? I mean, really? Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a morning person. That was real early for me. I wouldn't have been there that early had it not been the flight. And the flight wasn't actually arranged by me. It was arranged by my company at the time. It was the first uh, flight they had out, and you had to do security check. This is pre-COVID, but you had to get there early. You don't want to miss your flight. So he was there, and I was like, I did meet John Gruden before that day. So I was like, let me just leave him alone. He's talking to somebody. Let me just uh, leave him alone. But the thought about right. him talking like a sailor did flash in my mind, and that's why I let it go. <laughs> but that is a true story. Yeah, I did see John Gruden yeah. at the airport at Tampa, Tampa Airport early, early morning. But now they're going to fly back from Vegas. Hmm. <laughs> it might have been, but it was it was early early flight. And well, I took the uh, we took the red eye home. It was eleven. It was just after eleven Vegas time, which is about two a.m. here. And when we got home, it was like you know the sun wasn't even up yet, so it was really early. And we even had a, like a a layover for like about oh I think it was like about an hour and a half in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and me not being a morning person, that's that's early for me. <laughs> There's some people that wake up real early, and I, I, you know, may God bless them. I'm not that that guy. But yeah, I think you're waking up early in your own bed, but you're waking up in an airport in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Lou, I wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, the MLB playoffs. I also want to get your thoughts too, Aaron. What do you what should we expect on the Major League playoffs? What do you think of your predictions at this point? I'm, I'm, you know, this is going to be a good uh, final four, if you will. Um, you know, on the American League side, uh, you know, Boston had to go through, play a tough game against the Yankees to get in uh, in the one-game playoff. Then they go and battle Tampa, and the first game against Tampa, they they didn't look too good. It looked like it was going to be really Tampa taking them, and then. They blew a lead early on in the second game against Tampa and then just came back and pummeled them. Yeah. And, you know, they've been on a roll since. So I think they've got a really good shot. Um, well, Houston is Houston. You know, they've, they've got a good – got a solid pitching staff. Their offense is certainly there. I think we're kind of getting towards the end of Houston's dominance, though, because you've got uh, Carlos Correa, who's a free agent after the season's over. Zach Greinke can opt out of his deal. Um, Verlander's already not, you know, obviously he's injured. So I think this is kind of the closing of their window uh, of what they have an opportunity to do, at least with the current team. That's going to be a series that I think goes six or seven games, and it could go either way, to be real honest with you. Both teams are pretty evenly matched. They've got a lot of experience. Both teams have won a World Series in the last uh, four or five years. So there's that side of things. Other matchup, obviously, is the one that I'm going to be paying closer attention to just because of my personal interest. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I sat there and thought about it last night before game five. Do I want to face a team that won 107 games or do I want to face a team that won 106 games? It's going to be a challenge either way. Yeah. Um, the benefit, I think, of the Braves playing the Dodgers is they get home field advantage. Um, that's a big thing in the playoffs. It, it really is. Uh, playing at home, getting some comfort there, um, doesn't necessarily mean anything overall. Maybe not, but um, the Dodgers are not 
I'm not going to say they're not as good as they were a year ago, but they are not the same team depth-wise, at least on the pitching side of things. They don't have – Even with 106 wins? Even with 106 wins. Kershaw wow. – I'll look at it this way. Let's look at what they're subtracting and what they're not going to have as okay. a weapon in the playoffs. You don't have Kershaw. He's out. Bauer is True. indefinitely oh, – yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Bauer is indefinitely um, on – it's not the suspended list. It's some other – inactive list, whatever they have, have uh, dubbed that. Right. Dustin right. May, he was a big thorn in our side last year in the playoffs. Uh, the big uh, red-headed guy, he looks kind of like uh, Carrot Top. Um, <laughs> um, he's out yeah. for the year. So, and, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Dodgers are deep. They have a, I mean, they could probably win games with their bench players for the most part. Um, you know, they did go out and pick up Trey Turner. Max Scherzer is going to be pitching for them. So they're not they're not done or anything by any stretch. I think this is going to be another good series that I think could go six or seven games as well. So it's really going to depend on I, – I really think in series like that, it's going to be the little mistakes that one team makes that ends up winning it for the other side. And so I think that's kind of how both series yeah. may go. Yeah, that's some great points. And definitely – what are your thoughts, Lou? Do you agree with those predictions? Well, you know, I was reasoning with McCullers out. I mean, that's going to be, I think, more the advantage for Boston because I don't know how they're going to be able to, who's going to be able to do out their best pitcher. So this might be a Boston series, unfortunately. Um, I don't know if Atlanta has enough firepower to, um, you know, stop the Dodgers. The Dodgers, although, like you said, they're not depth-wise, but they still, I think, are going to power the um, the Braves. The Braves came from a crappy division. You know, they only won 88 games. I mean, I I don't I don't think they got enough to, you know, battle, battle the Dodgers. So I think we're, I think we're going to see you know Dodgers and the uh, Red Sox. Ugh, Red Sox. Which <laughs> is what uh, the network the network would want because you know the two big teams in the uh, in the World Series that's what they're looking for, you know. But based on like you know injuries and whatnot, you know uh, Houston uh, looks banged up and Boston looks to be strong even though they might even though they had to beat us in the wild card and this series, but they look to be the stronger team. Yeah, I I hate to agree with Lou because of those teams. Only because oh, of those teams. Because of the teams. The teams. And okay, okay. I hate I hate you know, I don't agree with Lou definitely any other reason, but I, I have to kinda of agree with him and his predictions because as much as I hate to to say that the Red Sox have advantage I, I'm not a Red Sox fan, Yankee fan, but I have to say the Red Sox were very impressive in beating the Rays, which to me was the best team in the AL East. I thought they were the better team, and, you know, they had young gunners on their team, but the Red Sox are, are clicking on all cylinders on the AL side. I agree with Lou on that, too, that I just don't think Atlanta has enough firepower to beat a very, very good team like the Dodgers. Dodgers have a very good team. They have a, a lot of guys who have experience. I know that their best pitcher is is not going to be there, so it will be a closer contest, but I don't know about right. them beating them in a seven-game series. This is not a, a shorter series would be more beneficial for the Braves if, if you're not the stronger team when you're the stronger Go team. Go best of five. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. And as much as I, I don't, I want to see uh, Aaron's team make it. 
as much as I don't want to see the Red Sox make it, I have to say that I agree with those predictions. And now that the let's assume the Astros don't make it to the World Series, do you think for both of you guys, do you think the Astros redeemed themselves from cheating because they did show that they can make it this far on their strength? Do you think that erased it, no. or you still think? Well, I mean, there's more allegations coming as they cheated again. So um, <laughs> I think that might be tarnished. Well, and let me let me answer that this way. Um, I've been very consistent in saying that I, I will not root for the Astros in any game until every single player from that team from two, three years ago no longer plays for them. Um, I think that that was a little bit of uh, – theatrics from Tony La Russa. I think that was intended to pump his team up and also deflect some yeah. of the reasons why the White Sox weren't playing very well, to be quite honest with you there. So it, it, this is nothing new. Tony La Russa's pulled this kind of stuff before when he was in, with Oakland in the 80s when they were getting all the way to the World Series and losing. And he had some yeah. collapses when he was in St. Louis as well. So I think that was a little bit more false accusation. Now, you know, there's an old saying, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I'm not saying the Astros I've are heard doing that. the same stuff <laughs> they were doing a few years back. But, you know, if you've done something before and it worked and you still have those same people on your team, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't try something else. So it wouldn't shock me if there was some element of truth to it. Whether it's tangible where you can prove it or not, that's a whole different story. I do want to say this, though. Um, Unfortunately, I tend to agree on the on the National League side. I think the Dodgers are certainly they're the favorite. Right. I think if there's anything to learn from what happened a year ago, when Atlanta had a three games to one lead, it's that you cannot give the Dodgers any momentum. And so I think if you can find no. a way to shut them down, especially early, because that team can really they can run up the score really quick. If you can find a way to shut them down and burn out any momentum that they have. That's going to be the key to Atlanta winning that series. Can it happen? Probably not probable. I, I unfortunately yeah. have to agree there, but I do believe that if they can, if they can pitch it, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If they can pitch the way they just pitched against Milwaukee, they're going to the World Series. The, the biggest difference is Milwaukee has nowhere near the offense that the Dodgers has, uh, and so that's going to be a big, big game changer there. They got to set their game up quite a bit here. Can it happen? Certainly. I mean, they were very close last year with almost a similar pitching staff. I think the Atlanta pitching is a little bit better this year, actually, than it was a year ago. Uh, we didn't have Charlie Morton, who has been yeah. in multiple World Series with multiple teams, multiple playoff trips, multiple teams. Um, right. And Max Freed will be pitching tomorrow night. I really think the key is winning game one, and especially if you can get a two-game sudden lead. If Atlanta goes out west and they're down two games to none, it's probably over. It's over. They won't be coming back home if they go out there with two games. So, yeah, if they go out there with a two-game two-game lead, then I I firmly believe that they have a a real a real shot. And if they go out there with a split, I think they have a real shot. But if they go out there with a split, it's going to be a seven-game series. That's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Never want to go down 0-2 in any series. Unless you're the Yankees, who came back from down 0-2 against the Braves. That's but right. 
you don't want to be down all two. You at least want to get a split, like like Aaron said. But yeah, that's that's a great point. You know, I I, I got that too. Those are my predictions. You have definitely. I have the Red Sox versus the Dodgers, <laughs> the the teams that I'm probably not the pumped up to see, but that's that's my prediction too. So I got that and. And I wanted to apologize to you, Lou. I didn't get a chance to call in as I promised you yeah. I would. I apologize about that. I really, that is that, that is my bad. I was at my son's, had a, a birthday party he had, and it went a little bit longer than I thought it would. And I didn't get a chance to call in. I am so sorry about that. He was at a bowling, bowling event. How was your show last week? Well, it's, it's not, it hasn't gotten much better. You know, people are really dropping out now. Oh, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid the show's gonna have to be canceled soon. Oh no. Yeah. Really. People are not gonna call in. There's, if people are not gonna call in, I don't see a point that it's gonna continue. I'm sorry. It's gone this way. I feel even more worse than getting get a chance to call in on Saturday. I mean, is there any redemption at all, or that that's going to be a wrap? No, it's not going to be a wrap yet. But uh, if I good, this trend continue, if this trend continues, then I'm just going to have to shut down. Well, let's hope it doesn't, and definitely. Hope not either. I'm really hoping it doesn't. How many calls did you have exactly call in Saturday? I had I had even less than last week. Oh wow! Well, definitely things could turn around. You got a lot coming on. We got the major league playoffs. NHL just started up. So, what do you got going on for your show tomorrow? Well, we're going to cover the first games of the uh, NHL season. Of course, we're going to do the playoffs. Uh, we're going to uh, discuss the um, last of the preseason in the uh, NBA. Uh, we're going to do some men's soccer because the men's soccer team had two matches this week. One was a win and one was a loss, unfortunately. Uh, we'll even cover the WNBA Finals, because that's going on right now. And if anybody does call in for the NFL, I want people I want uh, people to call in and grade their teams, you know, the teams they follow and see how well they um, have done or how well they have not done, of course. So since we're at that point in the season now, I thought I would take, you know, thoughts on that. Yeah, that's some great topics. I love that way to get a chance to rate their own team or another team. That's something that's very, very unique. Whether you're happy with them or not. There you go. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So I have to do it real sick. I have to do it real sick. Yes. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And and definitely um. Yeah, I'm excited that you're gonna have a great show and the Enhanced Sports Show. For those who don't know, who are listening now, Lewis from the Enhanced Sports Show. And his show is from 5 to 7 Eastern Standard Time Zone, Saturdays from 5 to 7 Eastern Standard Time Zone. And share with them the phone number. Remember, oh, yeah, 512-543-4662. Once again, 512-543-4662. And the show is nationwide, not a local show. So anybody can call in, uh, most likely from the uh, lower 48. If we can get Alaska and Hawaii. Great, but I don't know if uh, the signal can reach that far. So, uh, pretty much a long, pretty much uh, good for the lower 48. A long shot for Alaska and Hawaii, but try anyways. You're from there. 
Try it. Never know. That's right. <laughs> That's right. 512-543-4662. 512-543-4662. Please support Lou and the Enhanced Sports Show. He needs your support. He's looking for it. We support him here at the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. And definitely don't let let a, a fellow brother go out. Please support his show and call in on tomorrow. Anything else they can look forward to? And like I said, I reach reach most of the United States. It may probably support the Canada, too. Yeah, that's amazing. The Enhanced Sports Show, Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. So make sure you support them. But we definitely appreciate you here, Lou, calling in. All comments and questions, but don't swear, please. <laughs> no swearing on the show. That's right. <laughs> but Lou is a, a definitely a somebody we really appreciate and really hope you guys take the time out of your day Saturday and give him a call. He can use his support. We don't want to have him throw in a towel. We really want him to stick around. But Lou is definitely always a pleasure. We appreciate you here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Let us know how it goes for you next week. All right, if you got time, call in. All right, buddy. I definitely will do my very best to call in. And again, I apologize. I didn't keep my word. I'm a man of my word. I didn't. I apologize. The party went so long. Uh, definitely, that's my bad. All right, Joe, until we talk again. You got it, Lou. You have a great weekend. Thanks. You're welcome. Take care. Let me get out. Uh... And that's uh, Lou. We really appreciate Lou joining the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. And, yeah, Aaron, we come to the time where we'll talk about the NFL picks. Yeah, yeah, we uh, have done pretty well so far this year. I know you've got a two-game two game lead right now. Uh, I think you've won 50 games. I've got 48. So we're, we're staying neck and neck pretty much all year long. Um, Obviously, both of us picked the Buccaneers last night. I think that was uh, a pretty solid selection. Um, Bucks tried to give that game away at the end, um, but they they were able to to hold on. And uh, thankfully, both of us picked the Bucks to win that game. Uh, just kind of looking down the rest of the schedule, um, got Miami playing against the Jaguars. Um, you know, it's kind of a toss up there as we talked about before. One team's one and four. The other team's 0-5. Uh, both of us picked Miami. Great classic matchup of the Packers and the Bears. That's going to be a big one on Sunday. Um, I've got Green Bay. I believe you do as well. Um, yep. What has to happen for the Bears to, to win that game on Sunday? That's a great question. In order for you to beat the Packers, you have to slow down Devontae Adams. I know it's easier said than done, but you – you have to double him. You kind of have to do like Tyreek that they, they do for the Chiefs. You have to have two guys on him, either one guy manning him and a high safety. You cannot just let Aaron Rodgers just throw to his number one receiver all day long. I think if you want to beat him, you got to start Devontae. Hopefully your offensive line can do their part to stop Aaron Jones. And if you do that, you have a very good shot of winning the game. They have to stop Devontae first. And their offensive line has to, their um, I'm sorry, the defensive line has to show up. If they can do that, they have a shot of winning. I think this is going to be a close game. 
but I do have the Packers winning. What are your thoughts on what the Bears may have to do to, to beat the Packers? Well, I just hope it doesn't come down to kicking a field goal at the end of the game because that was a disaster <laughs> weekend against Cincinnati. Um, you know, you, you make a good point there. I mean, you you are if you're able to stop Devontae, uh, double-teaming him like you were mentioning before, that's going to play a big role. Um, good thing about Green Bay is got other receivers too. And so I, I think that a lot of times that's the only focus that the defense has is Devontae, and that keeps some of these other guys who maybe aren't as big of a name, keeps them able to make the big plays. And I think Aaron Rodgers is that kind of quarterback where he isn't one-sided. He isn't going to just look at one target and stay on him the entire time. He's going to throw whoever's open. So I think that he's the kind of quarterback that makes his receivers better. And so I think that that's going to be the key right there. If you're double-teaming Devontae, i got other guys I can throw to. got a great running game. I think that's going to be the key, too. If you give Aaron Rodgers a lead, 10 points, two touchdowns, somewhere in that range, especially in the second half of the game, they're going to trust their defense for sure. Defensive line is playing pretty solid right now. But you're going to start running the football more. So you're going to see Aaron Jones getting the ball. You know, this guy bursts for four or five yards of play, basically. And so all you have to do is give him the ball on first and second down. And you just wear the clock out, wear that defense down. So I think that's going to be a big thing on Sunday. Games in Chicago, I mean, either place is going to be chilly. Um, typically this time of year it is anyway. So um, you got to be careful with those winds, though, in Chicago, especially right there on the lake <laughs> where Soldier Field is at. If it comes down to a field goal, you just never know which direction the ball might go. Yeah, you're right. You just never know. And the Bears have to play a, a definitely a very good game in order to beat the Packers, but they're – the good thing that the Bears do have is they're familiar with the Packers. There's no surprise on both sides. Everybody knows each other. You can't stop everybody if you're the Packers, but you've got to start with Devontae. You cannot let him just go to him all day long, get 200 yards. You're not going to win the game. It's as simple as that. I would take my chances with stopping him, let somebody else, like as you mentioned, other receivers. Yes, you, they do have very good other receivers, but they're not Devontae. You've got to stop him. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the kind of receiver he is. Um, and, you know, thankfully he is uh, healthy. I know he uh, had some small issues here uh, recently, so glad to see he's going to be able to play and be healthy. I like this next matchup here. Uh, we kind of had talked about this a little bit uh, when Lou was on. You have the Bengals, who are 3-2. and two. You know, they're looking to prove something here after um, losing that game this past weekend against Green Bay. Lions are 0-5. They're a lot better than their record is. I actually picked the Lions to win. That was one of my upset picks for this week. I believe you have the Bengals in this one. Um, Certainly, Cincinnati is in a much better position as far as seems like their team has gelled a little bit more. Uh, Second year with Joe Burrow. Got a great receiver. I told you this off air earlier. Uh, Jamari Chase, the wide receiver from LSU they drafted in the first round, who is also Joe Burrow's teammate uh, two years ago when they won the national championship. This guy is going to be one of the best receivers in the National Football League over the next five, ten years. Um, excellent speed, great hands. Throw something in his area, he's going to catch it. This guy is going to be a beast. And I think a lot of teams who didn't didn't look at him as uh, closely as they did in the draft are going to be regretting that they um, 
let him slip by. But I do think that the uh, Lions are going to get their first win of the season coming up here on Sunday. Yeah, you sound very confident. I definitely uh, – <laughs> the Lions do have – I agree with you. They have a much better team than 0-5. They just seem to kind of like play maybe a half a game and then they kind of folder. They kind of let the, the other half go. The case in point is against the Packers. That was a game that they were in it up until halftime, and then I don't know what they did at halftime. It's like a different team came out, and then the Packers just took over. The Bengals actually have a very good team. They did lose that that game that, like you said, probably made them sick. They got a lot to prove. They I like their defense. I do have the Bengals winning this game. I think it's going to be a close game, but I have the Bengals winning, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions do get their first win of the year. I, I agree with you on that. I am picking the Bengals, though. Then you got a battle of two one and four teams. Um, the Texans uh, going to uh, Indianapolis to play the Colts. Texans just seem to be looking for identity at this point. Uh, Indianapolis is probably actually better than their one and four record. Still trying to figure some injuries out there. You have the Colts in that game, and I believe I picked the Texans. Yeah, I picked the Texans to win that one. And I'm not sure where I, where I came up with that conclusion that they were going to win. I just think it's kind of a toss-up. I mean, one and four on both sides. Clearly, the quarterback situation in uh, Indianapolis is a little bit better right now. Um, so that one's kind of a toss-up. And then you have uh, two teams in two different directions here in the next game. you got the Rams at four and one. They're going to the Giants at one and four. Both of us picked uh, Los Angeles. And that one, I really don't see anything that would indicate that the Giants are going to pull off a surprise. Yeah, I, I agree. And the Rams are, are, you know what, the Rams, I know that they're trying to do what the Bucks did. I said that a few weeks ago. They're trying to basically get to the Super Bowl, host and win a Super Bowl just like the Bucks did. I could tell right off the bat that's their goal because they're playing in SoFi Stadium. Really, it looks like a very nice stadium. They're trying to do what the Bucks did. And I don't see the Giants beating them without Saquon Barkley. And I just the, – the Giants do have a very good team. I think they're better than one and four, but I just think the Rams, their defense and the overall game is going to be better. I, I got the Rams winning that game pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think it'll be like a, you know, 35 to 14, 35 to 10 Rams win there. Um Two teams that I'm really surprised are, are where they are right now. Both two and three are the Chiefs and the Washington Football Club. Um, you know, I, I really thought that the Washington Football Club's defense would be a lot better than it has uh, been this year. And the same thing for the Chiefs' offense. It has not been business as usual uh, like it was the last two, three years. Uh, what is wrong with Kansas City right now? What's uh, What's got to change for them to turn things around? What they need to do for sure, Kansas City, is they need to start developing other guys. You know, it's like what teams have done that has been successful is they've done that to cover. Basically, to have somebody covering man-on-man with Tyreek, and they have somebody, a safety, who basically backs him up. So basically, in a sense, Tyreek is getting double covered. Not the whole route, but midway through the route. And since that has happened the Chiefs have really kind of forgot that they have other weapons. They went away from their running game. 
They don't use Clyde Gilear as much. They don't even use Travis Kelsey as much. And it's almost like, and Patrick Mahomes, he's, he's still trying to be a pocket passer, which is good, but he's not using his legs as much. He's not running outside the pocket. It's almost like they they relied on Tyreek, and now that he's not available because of coverage, they're struggling in, to get offense. And that's one aspect that they have as a problem. The other aspect is their defense. I agree with Stephen A. Smith said. Their defense can't stop a cold. They just they, Their defense just lets up too many points. I knew the Bills were going to beat the Chiefs. It was last week I predicted that. It was a pretty easy pick for me because – the Bills have a high-power offense, and their defense is very good. The Chiefs have an okay offense now without Tyreek Hill. You know, he's double-covered, and their defense can't stop anybody. So yeah. the, the Chiefs need to serve their defense a little bit and start using their run game and using other weapons they have. Once they start using other weapons, then they will probably ease off that double coverage of Tyreek. You can't you – can't, they won't ease off the double coverage if you don't use anybody else. So that's what they need to do. Having said all that, I do have the Chiefs winning against Washington Football Club. I just don't see the Chiefs going to two and four. I know they, they, things are not starting off good for them, but going two to four, I just don't see it. I agree with you. I got the Chiefs winning this game too. Yeah, I've got the Chiefs as well. And I think this is, uh, this is the point in the year where you say you got to try to start salvaging your season. I think the real problem with the Chiefs is the, the three prior seasons, obviously, they were, you know, two, two in the Super Bowl. They won one Super Bowl, and they lost in the AFC title game what, three seasons ago now. I think they've tipped their hand on offense. I think that they have shown or overshown their cards uh, to some degree. And I, I, I put a little bit of the blame on Andy Reid for that, but I also put it on uh, Patrick Mahomes. You know, you can't run the same schemes over and over and over again and expect the defense not to figure it out. I mean, it's 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 almost predictable what they're going to do, and especially when you talk about how they've gone away from their running game. I mean, that's like going the wrong direction. You know, if you stick with your running game, you might be able to get away with some of the repetitiveness and the trying to be a pocket passer. Um, I just feel like they haven't been as explosive here, and I think a lot of it is they've shown their hand. Defenses have looked at the film. They've figured out the formations. They've figured out what they need to do to stop. And Patrick Mahomes doesn't look like the same quarterback this year. He, he's looked. He's almost looked like he's come to the line and he's scratching his head. I don't know what this defense formation is that I'm, I'm going up against. And so somewhere, and it's not just one coach on the opposition, several coaches have figured out where his – best area to defend him is and I think that's really thrown him off his game a little bit and I think really more or less probably more than anything else nothing physical at all it's just going to take him coming to the line and being a smarter quarterback than he has been because the last couple of years with the exception of the last year's Super Bowl he's been the best quarterback in the league hands down as far as you know the, the passing ability and that kind of stuff I think it's really one of those things where He's got maybe a little bit complacent, and I think that's kind of showing here in the game that he's put out on the field the last six or eight games. Yeah, I mean, you, you're absolutely right, and, and I agree with a lot of those points you made. I think a lot of teams, they've done a lot of plays, 
but it's kind of been like the same type of plays. If you pay attention, they've worked, they've had success. But like you said, in the NFL, guys do learn quickly. If you keep running something that's successful and you keep running that same play, it's just a matter of time before they figure it out. doesn't mean they're going to stop you every single time, but you're not going to get those big gains like they used to. And the plays that did work won't work as well. I mean, you might get some gains, but it's not like it's the first or second time you've done it. So they just need to get back to the basics, get Travis Kelsey involved, get the other people involved, and start moving the ball. And then maybe they'll ease off Tyreek, where you can give him the ball some. But I just – I do think they're going to win against the Washington Football Club. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. I, I, I think um... – Washington has several things they need to improve. Certainly, I think it's just a matter of time before they turn things around. But, you know, offensive thoughts, you got to figure your overall quarterback situation out going forward. Some of those defensive players haven't panned out the way that uh, Ron Rivera thought they would. So, um, I think there's still time for him to turn things around there for sure because I think he was a great hire a few years ago. Um, And I I say this uh, in terms of, the actual team on the field. And of course the name of their team will change at some point too, but they're looking for an identity there in, in Washington. They don't know what their identity is right now. Are they a defensive team? Are they an offensive team? Who are their leaders? They're waiting for those guys to emerge. And until that really happens, they're going to be a mediocre team until that, uh, until that changes, which I think will happen soon. So um, I like this next matchup, uh, Minnesota two and three, they're going on the road to play the Panthers. Uh, both of us uh, are on the same page there. I don't see any reason why Panthers are going to lose their third game in a row. I feel like they're really going to uh, take the last two games to, to heart and turn it around here this weekend. Big matchup, though. This is probably one of the best games on the slate this uh, this coming Sunday. It's uh, 4-1 and one Chargers, probably the biggest surprise in the NFL right now, I would say, with how well they've played. And I think you'd probably agree with me there. They're going into – tough environment in Baltimore, playing the 4-1 and one Ravens. Yeah, I tell you, I love both quarterbacks. Um, what Justin Herbert has been uh, early on in his career for the Chargers is, you know, what Dan Marino was to the Dolphins in his early days. He, he's a very similar type quarterback, that big downfield arm. And then you've got Jackson on the other side with the Ravens. I mean, trying to get things uh, settled in there might come down to the defense plan. Uh, I think both of us picked uh, San, uh, not San Diego. Both of us picked Los, uh, Los Angeles uh, to uh, to win this game. I always like to look at the other side, though. What would the Ravens have to do in order to win this game on Sunday? Yeah, if the Ravens are going to win this game, the defense has to step up big time, which is not easy when you have a guy, you know, you have Justin Hebert doing great. You also have Eckler. So they're going to have to stop Eckler in the backfield. They're going to have to step up big time defensively in order for them to make it a close game. If they do that and then have um, Lamar be Lamar. Lamar has to be like an MVP guy. And I think the Ravens can win this game. I really do. But the reason why I did pick the Chargers like you is that I just feel as if the Chargers have a little bit too many options offensively for the Ravens defensively to handle. Ravens kind of slipped a little bit in, de- in the defense. I could see this year. They're still good, but they're not 
quite the team that they were a year or two ago defensively. And I just think the Chargers offensively are going to be a little bit too much for them. On And because of that reason, I think it's going to be too much for Lamar to handle by himself. So that's the reason why I have the, the Chargers winning. I think overall team effort is going to be too much for the Ravens. And that's why I got the, the uh, Chargers winning, but it's going to be a close game. Yeah, I think it'll be a very close game. In fact, I think the um, I think the offenses are going to get a good uh, a good workout. I think on both sides. I, I, like I said, I really really like uh, Justin Herbert. I think he is. I think there's some teams from 2020 that are kicking themselves that they didn't didn't trade up and draft him because he is proving so far. And granted, it is so early in his career, he has proven to be worth every penny they paid for him. Uh, there in uh, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Now both of us uh, picked opposite on this game. This next one um, got the uh, Cardinals five and zero. They're the last unbeaten team in the NFL. They are going into Cleveland to play the three and two Browns. Um, I believe this will be the last weekend of an unbeaten team. I think the Browns are going to win this game. In fact, I picked this as one of my upset. You are on the opposite side of that, saying the Cardinals are going to win. Give me your reasoning between these two. Yeah, I think the Cardinals, with the addition of, of Zach Ertz, and the addition, and on top of that, I just think the Cardinals have, out of all the teams, have been the most, I would say, team that has been even keeled. Offensively, they're great. Defensively, they play solid. Even without one of their top defensive players playing this next game, I just think the Cardinals are clicking on all cylinders. The Browns have kind of like been one of those teams that kind of shown flashes in a game like this of this big and this magnitude. I know the Cardinals are hungry and they want to win it with them bringing in Zach Ertz for this game. I just, I even more so I think the Cardinals are going to win this game. I look at it a little bit different. I think that the, uh, the Browns have a little bit more of the experience on their side. I definitely think the Cardinals are a great team. Don't get me wrong, but I, I look at it this way. Sometimes the thing that happens to a great team along their journey through a season, they come into a game that they're not quite as prepared for uh, against a team that may be a little bit more experienced like the Browns are. And I think that it actually is going to do the Cardinals good to have a game where, like this where I think they're going to lose on Sunday because – what you don't want to have happen, you don't want to have complacency throughout the, the course of a 17-game schedule. And so I, I feel like, especially given this game is in Cleveland, it's not going to be a controlled environment like you would have in Arizona where you're playing inside of a, uh, a dome or a retractable roof stadium. I just feel like the Browns are going to have a good time on Sunday. I don't think it'll be a blowout for sure. I think it's going to be a close game. But I think that the experience factor is going to play into um, into account here. And, you know, again, like I said before, when you're a team like what the Cardinals are right now and you've played as well as you have this year, at some point you need to have that lesson that you learn, and I think that's going to happen finally this coming Sunday. Everything else on the schedule, there's only four games after this. Um, there's four teams with bye weeks. In fact, I'll go ahead and list those off here. Falcons and Saints, Jets and 49ers are all on their bye weeks. This is the first of the bye weeks in this uh, 2021 schedule. The rest of the games are pretty straightforward. We all are uh, on the same page on this. Uh, the, 
Broncos are hosting the Raiders. Um, both of us picked the Broncos in that one. I think the Raiders are very distracted by everything that's going on in the uh, John Gruden situation. I think it's going to throw them off quite a bit. Um, I, I like agree. Cowboys. I like the Cowboys over the Patriots. Dallas just looks like a great team this year. In fact, had it not been for week one against Tampa Bay, they, they'd be 5-0 and right now. We'd be talking about them possibly being 6-0. and So things are looking really good for uh, for Dallas right now. Didn't expect that here, honestly. Um, maybe they have found their uh, way back to, uh, to greatness here. Maybe a little early to say that. But um, and then uh, – Looking at uh, – see, I actually picked the Cowboys as one of my lock picks here uh, this week. Uh, two games left on the schedule here. you got the Seahawks and the uh, Steelers, two teams that um, kind of make you scratch your head a little bit. You've got uh, Seattle with Russell Wilson now going to be out for the next six to eight weeks. Um, he may have played his last game in Seattle. Um, I uh, – said this earlier this year when he was cut by New England that I didn't think Cam Newton would ever get another chance in the NFL. If there was a perfect place for him to end up, to me it would be Seattle. He fits that offense pretty well, at least the style of quarterback they like to use there. Um, whether that happens or not, who knows. Steelers are kind of in a rough situation, though. Ben's at the end of his career. They're not playing terrible football, but they're not playing great football either. They're kind of in a, a middle middle ground right now yeah I agree with you I think the Steelers need to this is a great opportunity for them to kind of get a a much easier win than they normally would if they were playing Seahawks with Russell Wilson I think the Steelers have to capitalize on this game to turn their season around and get things going in the right direction they've lost Juju Smith-Schuster for the season you know our prayers go out to Juju and you need to turn around the, the, the boat right now and go ahead and start winning some games. And this is a perfect opportunity. The Seahawks, unfortunately, have lost Russell Wilson for the for what sounds like pretty much going to be the rest of the season. But our prayers go out to him, too. But the Steelers need to turn the things. It's not over for the Steelers. There's still a lot of football to play, but you need to win this game against the Seahawks. That's what I would focus on if I were the, Seahawks, uh, the Steelers. Yeah, both these teams are in divisions where they're basically third third place. I mean, you got uh, Pittsburgh, who's in there with both Cleveland and uh, Cincinnati, and of course they're in there with the the Ravens as well. So this is a huge game for them. They fall to two and four. That could be the the end of their season. And the same thing with the Seahawks. I mean, you look, they're in there with uh, San Francisco, who's a little bit better than I think the, their record indicates. Rams at the top of that division right now. And, of course, uh, well, they're actually second in that division. you got the Cardinals who are on top. So this is a big momentum-shifting game for both teams because whoever loses this, really any chance of a playoff, I'm not saying they're out of it completely, but they're going to have to basically play mistake-free football the rest of the way. And with the quarterback situations in both places, it really makes that difficult, um, you know, to happen. So uh, last game on the schedule, this is the Monday night game. Really good one, too. This is a rematch of the um, 1999, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was a wild card game, Music City Miracle, as they called it. Uh, so you got the Buffalo Bills, 4-1, and one, and they're going on the road into Nashville to play the Tennessee Titans, who are 3-2. and two. 
Love the offense on the Bills. Love the defense on the Titans side. This should be a very, very good matchup. Both of us picked the Bills uh, in this game. In fact, you picked them as one of your lock picks here for this week. Uh, I really love that offense on Buffalo's side. They have really built on what they started two or three years back, and they are maybe becoming the, the best team in the AFC at this point. What are your thoughts on that game, Alan? They, 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 they're talking about the, the, the Bills. The Bills are definitely – I agree with that. I definitely agree that the Bills um, are the best team in the AFC. They, um, they're just a firepower both offensively and defensively. I love what they're doing. They've built off the success they've had in the last couple of years with Josh Allen. And I think they, they are the best team in the AFC right now. They, they uh, move the ball – with ease, they seem to mix things up really good offensively. They don't try, they don't over exaggerate. And um, I think um, I think they're going to win this game pretty easily. I think uh, I think they're going to win. Yeah, it should be uh, it should be a very good matchup. It's in again in in uh, Nashville, so um, you know obviously the Bills are used to rough weather. So if the weather is bad, it's not anything they can't get over uh, from what they've faced, of course. Uh, in the past. So really good week. Uh, I think um, both of us were double digit winners this past week. In fact, you were 11 and five uh, in week five and I was 10 and six, I believe. Um, So again, you have a two game lead in the overall uh, season matchup at this point. And hopefully um, maybe I'll get some opportunities to catch up here. A couple (laughs) things happen, but (laughs) that's have to happen. A couple of upsets have to occur, um, but there's a possible three-game swing here this weekend with uh, with us on three games that we do not uh, uh, have the same picks in on. So uh, I know we talked about baseball. Um, obviously, we just went through the NFL schedule. It's going to be a fun week for sports. Um, NHL's back, uh, kicked off again. Uh, anything else you want to add here tonight? Yeah, I just wanted to give the thoughts about boxing. I know a lot of fans wanted to, to hear that. Um, Basically, um, I wanted to talk about the Wilder and Fury fight. You know, it was a it was one of the best fights that I've seen in in many many years. It was a tough fight for both sides, very competitive. But the better man won. Tyson Fury won the fight. You know, I just would hope that a lot of the Wilder fans would stop making excuses. They said that wanted to counsel long. I don't agree with that at all. I think Tyson Fury, when he got knocked down both times, beat the count. And he, most smart boxers do not just get up as soon as the referee starts counting. You should take your time, let the referee get into like count number seven, and then make your way up. This way you give your, most, your best chance not to get knocked down again. There's no sense rushing. It's a knockdown. It's scored a knockdown. So take your time getting up which is what Fury did. And if the count was a second sooner, he still would have beat the count. And the better man won. I'm glad that Wilder did admit on his Instagram, finally admitted that Fury, he congratulated him. So I hope that all of the the people with the conspiracy theories would just put it to bed. Fury won this last fight. He won the second fight clearly. And the first fight was a draw, but everybody felt as if Tyson Fury won that fight too. So I just hope that all, all the boxing fans who are serious 
just stop making excuses for Wilder. I love Wilder, but he lost. I'm glad that he admitted for the first time out of three fights that the that Tyson Fury beat him. And it may not it may not seem like a big thing, but it's a big step in his his development. When you admit someone beat you, you don't carry the baggage anymore of thinking of an excuse or maybe he did something wrong, maybe he did he got an edge on me. You don't have that baggage anymore. You let it go. He was a better man for that day. He beat me. I learned from it, and you move on. It's kind of like you have a good positive disconnect from it. And I'm glad Wilder did do the right thing, and he congratulated Fury on it. But it definitely was a great fight. If people have not seen that fight, the Tyson Fury, that third fight, the last fight they had was an outstanding fight, one of the best heavyweight fights that you can probably see in our generation. It was an outstanding fight, very competitive. Watch it yourself. And I did also want to thank, I did want to go ahead and thank, I, I won't mention the boxer's name, but they did reach out to the Allen and Aaron Sports Arc radio show, and they wanted to invite us to a private workout to, to go ahead and give them some publicity and also to cover the workout as well as the upcoming fight. And I, I did want to say thank you. Thank you for that invite. Unfortunately, we couldn't make it. But I definitely am always appreciative, and Aaron is too, when we get these opportunities to go to invitations to private events and private workouts. So I, I won't disclose the boxer's name yet. Maybe later down the road I will. With uh, We couldn't make the private workout, but I'm still trying to work out them coming on as a guest on our show. So I will kind of give those details later on. I'm still working on that, but I definitely appreciate the invite. It doesn't go without appreciation. So we appreciate the invite to cover the show from the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show, the private workout. But uh, unfortunately, we couldn't make it. But it doesn't mean that we couldn't make the future ones. So thank you for that. And that's basically all I had to say about the boxing for this week. Anything else you have to add, Aaron? No, I think that really covers it all. Uh, this was a great week uh, in sports. Obviously, a lot of big things happen in uh, newsworthy uh we're gonna see some more stuff this week uh mentioned uh two uh what i thought was kind of a surprise st louis cardinals uh, decided to move on from mike schilt as manager uh, so in the next uh week to 10 days we'll probably see a new manager in st louis um talked about the um well this has happened since the last time you and i spoke the mets are moving on from their manager and i believe the padres are as well so uh this will be a good week uh, by the time we talk again here next friday uh, there may be two teams already in the World Series at that point, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting week. You know, you got a you got football, great football games. The NHL just started. It's, it's fantastic to be a, a sports fan. You know, of of anything, I've seen um, Dustin Johnson in golf <laughs> almost hit an albatross, and you got some great things going on in sports now because things are getting started up. So definitely. Uh, you know, enjoy the sports world while it still is available to you. Absolutely. Well, for uh, for Alan, this is Aaron signing off here for October 15, 2021. I want to thank everybody for joining us here tonight. Have a great evening. Thank you for 
Thank you.